Hi, welcome to the Rainbow Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Papaniklov. Rainbow and I are on a mission to upgrade humanity with fungi and expand the collective conscious. This podcast builds a virtual mycelial network of bold, open-minded thinkers and seekers. I chat with experts, thought leaders, healers, scientists, entrepreneurs, spiritual teachers, activists, and dreamers. These are stories of healing, human potential, and expansion. Tune in, root in, expand, and journey with us. Hi, welcome back, friends. Today I'm chatting with Natasha Pelgrim, who is a mystic, a devoted creative and visionary whose life's work is to lead spiritual experiences that support others in their journey of transformation and growth. Natasha is the founder and vision keeper of Awaken the Medicine Within Retreats and Programs. She's a highly intuitive guide and has held training, assisting, and facilitation roles for over 800 psychedelic ceremonies. She's mentored over 2,000 clients and currently advises and curates programs for wellness companies. She also does mentoring for leaders, CEOs, business owners, a focus on, on lots of women's retreats. And she is a powerful force of nature. I love our conversation. I come away feeling really empowered and she has a wonderful take. She's really humble and real with her experience of growth and life and everything in between. And it's really relatable. So I hope that you really love listening. We dive into all sorts of interesting topics like finding your spiritual calling, what ascension is, clairsensory wisdom channels, and what these extrasensory abilities are and how to define them and and see them and foster them. We talk about alchemy and really just this whole topic of awakening the medicine within. And she really does that and stirs that within me and and I hope you too through this conversation. Let's dive in. Hey, hello, Natasha. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here with us and to be in conversation with you and yeah, learning and flowing with you. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're so welcome and exciting to be here and for your audience and getting to know each other. And so thank you for doing this work and bringing all this education and information into the world. So Thank you for inviting me. Likewise, thank you so much for all that you do. And I guess my initial introduction into you and your work was just through social media, which I feel like is the easiest platform for us to find each other these days. But I was just so drawn to you and drawn to the work that you do. I've seen that you're a founding member of Synthesis and just doing really important work for people this time. So would you would you mind introducing yourself, telling us a bit about you and who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So just to rectify, I mean, I'm not part of synthesis anymore. So just so, you know, by the time we're recording this, um, myself and a group of five, six, we were the founding members. And I call that founding members because we were the initiators of the programs as it's still being executed today. So I left almost a year now. However, so before that, my whole journey, yeah, I can go so many directions, <laughs> you know, but let's just start off by saying that as a very young child and mostly in the beginning teenage years around 12, 13, 
I started becoming very aware that I felt that there was more between heaven and earth. And I've always felt very connected. There was just a deep knowing inside of me as a child. And that knowing now at 43, I understand is a very shamanic knowing, is a very shamanic way of being. And if I would have been born in a tribal uh, sense, you know, I might have been chosen to um, do something specific with that connection, right? Uh, but we live in the worlds that we live in and we grow up in the families that we grow up in that I'm very grateful for because it also brought me who I am today, right? Mm -hmm. So, but growing up, really noticing and knowing there is more. And I've been very lucky to grow up in three different cultures. And through that flexibility of weaving into these different cultures and being very connected to nature, I could always very much explore different ways of being. And at the age of 14, I was so curious already because everything that society was presenting did not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. It just was like, yeah, sure, I think we're playing a little game here. But in truth, we're just pretending. Yeah. And that was always this deep, like I said, this deep knowing. So I'm saying the age of 14 because that was really the time where I had my first psychedelic experience where it was super recreational with my very first boyfriend. We went in Amsterdam. You could buy the mushrooms in a smart shop. And we went in back in the day. We had CD stores for those of the generation who do not know what it is. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you go into a shop and listen to music and buy your whole album, you know. So that's how I discovered that a lot of the things that I was picking up on actually made sense because I felt so connected to the invisible. Mm -hmm. And I could see, sense, feel energy and a geometric patterning already as a young child in nature. And through the psychedelic experience, through the entheogenic journeys, I've been able to really bridge and understand what I experienced there. So all of the things that I've always been searching was a way for me to make sense, mm -hmm. a sense-making. Mm -hmm. way of making a purpose and meaning. So my spiritual connection really got embedded at that age. I even got a tattoo of the Om sign mm. because Hinduism was the first way that I really discovered a spiritual connection with a teacher through parents of my very good friend. And so my path unfolded that way. At the age of 18, I was already connected very much to Zen Buddhism and meditation, uh, Reiki. I became Reiki master at the age of 20. So all of these things always accompanied me. I've also had a very, I say that a very grounded and no nonsense kind of way of being because of, I think it's a cultural thing of my Dutch side. Mm. You know, there is a Dutch saying, be normal, you're already crazy enough. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know, so I've also very much always been drawn to a very entrepreneurial and creative side. So I've studied yeah. for and I've had multiple businesses in the entertainment and fashion industry and really walked the limelight of being very popular and nightlife and sex, drugs and rock and roll and all of those things. <laughs> so I've done both. Yeah. You know, I've always walked in both places because yeah. I was curious. That's the start of it, a bit of my journey. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I actually resonate to so many pieces of that. And I wonder when you're walking both paths, was that really comfortable or was there a sense of misalignment or were you just like, I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm present mm. for this like drugs, rock and roll, drug, sex, rock and roll bit? Or was it like, 
exploring it to help you realize that like, oh, this is not for me and I need to shift back here. They're both, you know, I mean, I think there is. Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's very nuanced. Of course, you know, there's nuances why we are programmed the way we are. What kind of trauma do we have? What kind of parenting do we have? How do we grow up? Those fuels are the the environments that we choose to be in Mm -hmm. and extremity, that choice of wanting to be in extreme environments and seeking the thrill of life comes Mm -hmm. from a wounded place Mm -hmm. inside of me. And understanding that wounded place, to some degree, made me realize this is not fully expressing who I am. Because if I go back to the young girl who understood in deep knowing and being feeling very connected to spirit and to life, I was 100% in that life. I was also me. You know, I was very authentically in that moment. But I was also very much breaking myself down and not fully walking everything, mm-hmm. not fully being in my spiritual path. So spirituality to very recently actually was always a part that was more hidden and I was more ashamed of Mm -hmm. and I felt more judged for because it can also be an era of time this was 10 years ago I really stepped out of that closet 100 Mm percent so it took me quite a while to because if you are in the entertainment or any kind of or sales industry or you know your spiritual aspects or those things we connect them with a lot of dogmas we connect them to religion we mm-hmm. connect him, you know, to certain things or ideas that we have. And there was a lot of pain and division on those yeah. beliefs as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that alignment, I felt very aligned with those choices in that moment because of where I was. But I also knew I wasn't fulfilling fully my full authenticity, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, I can share a quick anecdote. I used to own a club with uh, with a bar, with a gallery, a shop, a hairdresser. It was a whole in big building. <laughs> it was it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> and I remember sitting at my bar, and I was under the influence of something, and I was literally seeing people because that was already a natural state for me to be in so with any substance it would be i would be even more into it right but i would cross so many boundaries of consent and the way that i now work and trauma being trauma informed the way that i work right now i would just turn around to someone and just tell them you know in their energy feel what was going on and give them a reading without even asking if they wanted it (laughs) how to not be in alignment yeah so that's an absolute example And I knew at that moment by the response where I went like, I crossed a boundary here. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. And you need a 10 times of those kind of things to realize and many, many others to say, this is not the life I want. Yeah. I step out and I stepped out 100% and started dedicating my life to what I did today, you know? That is quite the journey. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think so... Like something that I just got like body chills a few times as you were speaking, which Mm. is always, I think, when I just hear truth that I resonate with. And that is always uh, the way that it comes into my body. I'm curious to know, like, what do you, a lot of us who are on a spiritual path, who have had this sense of knowing since we've been little kids, and then there's a challenge in stepping into who we are and living fully and being that and embodying that. And yet there's these these messages along the way and these little breadcrumbs or these big moments or small moments, whatever it is that kind of like lights up the soul to like 
tell it to follow these paths. Do you have a lot of people coming to you with that life transition where it's hard for them to step into this role or into this phase or into who they truly are? And what is that like? There is a difference. So there is a really beautiful growth that has taken place in the last 20 years because when I was so 19, 20, I did my Reiki and the, the masters. Nobody had any idea what I was talking about. They literally thought I was Google Gaga. You know, I had friends that were close to me that had the same interest, what I would practice on. And even my mom was open for it. I did sessions on my mom. And, and of course, with there wasn't social media. So our reach was very different to getting types of information. You really had to right. look for it. So there is a very big shift in the last 20 years on there's less taboo. Mm -hmm. And there is an easier way for people to find who are curious in that way to follow people on social media, to follow people like you, to get in the right podcasts that you can say like, hey, this resonates. Hey, mm -hmm. this sounds, this feels like you said, the body cannot lie. Mm -hmm. The body will resonate or it will not. So you will feel in your system if something is for your truth and or if it isn't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it isn't truth in that moment, but in 10 years time, it will be, you know, yeah. so things also change and we evolve. So stepping out of the closet, let's say that that moment of shifting and finding your voice and finding that truth, it has a lot to do with recognizing what's already there around you. So as you were speaking, for me, it was really like I shared my friend growing up, we were 15, 16, 15, 14, 15, 16, around that age. And her parents were connected to the ashram and with Hindu guru. And through that relationship, I discovered things. I discovered meditation. I discovered mantras. I saw the VHS videos of his teachings, you know, and her house. Her family was a teaching mm -hmm. for me. So, and the same goes with my other friend, Hira, who is now one of the teachers of the Drunvalo Malki Sadek, which is mm -hmm. a, a, the school of remembering, awakened, illuminated heart. And, you know, I was studying for photography and I know her when I was 18, 19, and she was already full on on this path. You know, she was full on on the esoteric path, on the ascension path. She was an educator for me. She always came up with the craziest books for me <laughs> to read. And it was the only one who gave, made a little bit of sense and came yeah. with things that I didn't know about. Yeah. So you, the listener, is probably already attracting mm -hmm. without you needing to make an effort the type of people around you that will guide you along the way. Those are your teachers. Sure, you can find things online and you can do a course, but the real teachers are naturally evolving around mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. That's how I feel that it happens more than anything. Yeah. I so agree. And, you know, in my early 20s, it was also one of my dear friends, the only person who I could talk about any of this stuff with and who introduced me to so, so much. And we just went on a journey together. And so will you tell us a little bit more about the Claire sensory mm -hmm. gifts? And we have the five senses that we all know about. And then there's these extrasensory senses. Extra, is that right? Extrasensory? <laughs> Extrasensory, yes. Extrasensory. It is whatever yeah. you want it to be. <laughs> um, like, you know? Yeah, so, and we have a range of those. And I always like to think that like, once you start to lubricate maybe the third eye and your intuition becomes stronger, that these are innate capacities that we can all cultivate. Absolutely. So first of all, I truly believe with all my heart that all of us have these sensories, clear sensory abilities. I'm not more special than you are. No, I, you know, like mediumship, 
psychic ability, the ones some people have a muscle, like a, a DNA that is a muscle yeah. that is more trained. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that someone cannot train it. Mm -hmm. It's most of the time a matter of unlearning to get into that sensibility, that awareness. It's whatever is preventing you from seeing, sensing, feeling, and discovering what is your way. Because my way is a combination of, and your way might be very much somatic. You might actually feel a lot more through the body than you're being taught mm -hmm. in the environment that you grow up in. So the clairsentry is you can have clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance, clairempathy, clairsentience. So there's a combination where you can have, and it's really about feeling, knowing, hearing, even tasting. I have a very good friend when I hold uh, host our retreats uh, from Awakened to Medicine Within, and she's shamanically trained. And a lot of some sometimes she can taste someone's process, especially when it's let's say the more shadow aspect and things get moving. She tastes or smells it. Wow! And it's just excruciating. Like it's a smell. You know, it's like a pungent, yeah. like it's a charcoal or a like an egg smell or something is shifting. And some people have that when they can smell someone's sick, mm -hmm. for example. But you're just not aware. So you're not even picking up your subconscious mind that yes. we've... We function through 80% of our subconscious mind. Our conscious mind is just like really not that important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah. know how our motor? Yeah. So I say growing up, it was extremely confusing because, for example, having clear hearing, people can have from zero to 10. So I have an average of about five of all. And it really depends also in what stages and where I'm at, where something comes in. So. A knowing is, for me, the strongest is at 80%. It's a clear knowing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not an egoic knowing. Mm -hmm. An egoic knowing is very mm -hmm. different than an inner heart knowing. An egoic knowing is always in separation. Mm -hmm. An inner knowing is always out of oneness. There is no judgment in that knowing. And so this is why you can differentiate mm -hmm. the type of knowings there are. Not, I think I know it better for you. One thing. <laughs> what you should do. That's not an adult knowing. Yeah, I love that. And one way that I describe that, it's like I know my mother. It's like I know something so mm. deeply and truly that they're... Exactly. I'll give you a fun example of a way when I was in a training and you have remote viewing, which is something that is most heard of, especially nowadays. You actually have the, quite a lot of groups and children that have that so naturally and so high in their skill set. You know, I don't have that so high in my skill set. I would really need to practice more, but it's something that could, it could be practiced over time. And with the right guidance and right teachers, everybody can do it. This is the thing. Everybody can really do it. So mm -hmm. I was in a training and we were practicing clear hearing. And the clear hearing was like my Dutch side. I get super practical. I was like, yeah, sure. I can go somewhere and listen. But who says that I'm just not? It's my fantasy. Because I have a great, fantastic mind. So we did this practice. Yeah. And I figured at that time, I had a really good friend of mine. He was in Thailand. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to him. And then afterwards, I'm going to send him a message. If it's true what I heard, I thought like, I need to measure it. Is this true? So I went there and it was so interesting because the type of hearing what then happens is so crisp. It's like a knowing. 
So there is a combination. And that crispness, mm -hmm. like I ended up in this room and I could just feel what it felt like for a breeze to to hear the breeze coming and touching the curtain. And then a, wow, I've been speaking Portuguese just now. So now suddenly the Portuguese word is coming up. <laughs> a fan, you know, like what you have on your ceiling right now. So for those mm -hmm. that are listening, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing a fan in their ceiling. So yeah. Yeah, instead of seeing the video. So I heard a fan and I saw the breeze. And then in far away, I heard TV sounds. And there was a sound mm -hmm. of initiation of an intimate moment between two people. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I was like, well, this is my friend. First of all, I don't want to hear him have sex. So I'm just going to leave. This is inappropriate. <laughs> this is, I don't have a consent for this. You know, I felt so inappropriate to do that. So I was like, I'm going to leave. But I was smart. And I said, like, I'm going to go to the toilet, stepped out of the room and sent him a message. Don't ask me anything, but just tell me if this is true. Are you in a room? Is there a TV on? Is there a van on? And are you about to have sex? And this is the message <laughs> I got. What the fuck? I'm sorry for my uh, beautiful friend here, but so that's the only message I said, okay, tell you later. Wow. So this is a friend who could also understand wow. where, what type of things I'd be curious about. And I told him like, yeah, this was what I was doing. So he sent me that and I was like, whoa, okay, now I can build on this trust because the thing when you begin exploring this and i always say have proper guidance know what you're doing protect yourself don't get mashed into the phenomena of this you don't have permission i don't use these skill sets outside of my work at all if i don't have permission if i'm with my family or my partner my partner and i made an agreement from the get-go I one time looked at something and I told him and he said, like, you'd, you'd never have permission to do that. And I was like, whoa. And I got so scared mm -hmm. and I was like, shit, you know, I love him. This is, we don't, you don't do that. So there is a yeah. responsibility with it as well. The phenomena is not that interesting. It gets pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. That's such a really important point to hone into just before we hopped on this morning for me i was chatting with my sister and last night as i was going to bed i love dream space a lot like that is a very potent place for symbolism and so last night before i was bed, i was in this lucid state where i i thought of this old friend and she had just had her baby i haven't spoken with her i don't know her due date and this morning it turns mm. out that she had her baby last night and in my state, I was like, message her, reach out. And, you know, didn't think, I wasn't actually sure if she had her baby or not. I just was thinking of her, but it's, there's always really interesting yeah. insights that come through. And I also like what you said about just trusting it. And I think there's a level of practice. Like, I think that trust piece is kind of like, you don't always, like having that insight wouldn't have made me think like, oh, yeah. she's having her baby right now. And I think we all probably receive a lot of visions or these types of things, but it's just kind of, how do you know what to trust? Exactly. So when you have a framework that you could work with, right, like a type of training that you could work with that protects you, you'll be able to then start mm. trusting the moment you're actually in a working environment and, and training on it, you know, like pairing up. And so these kind mm -hmm. of things really help to start trusting. Yeah. So that's one. Second, I think the main responsibility, even if we just step away out of this topic, anybody, I believe that 
is looking for one way or another of growth. You are responsible for yourself. That means if you want to step into self-leadership, the first step you have to take is accountability and step out of duality and victim and aggressor role. That means that you have to clean up the polarity inside of you. So the polarity outside Mm. is a reflection of the polarity inside. We live in a very polarity place. The whole COVID was an explosion of polarity for many, many different ways and forms. And it keeps on coming like a a rush, you know, like uh, Mm -hmm. coming that in. So the more you clean up, the polarity inside, the duality inside, understand the duality, understand where are you responding from? Who is that at your diver's seat? Is that the inner child? Is that the wounded? Who's speaking in this moment? And that takes time. That's not a course of a month. <laughs> That's a lifelong inquiry yeah. with yourself and unlearning and learning and embracing and moving on and living and being in relationships mm-hmm. with people that you don't like and figuring all of those things out. That responsibility, yeah. if you look at life that way, and in that process, you'll be able to have a lot more clarity and discernment about the ethical part of using this in the right way. So then what happens is that Mm -hmm. you will have a natural ability to hold space. You'll have a natural ability. So what you picked up on with your sister, I think all of us pick up on so much throughout today. But the cleaner our vessel, our cleaner our mentally, emotionally, spiritually we are, the cleaner we understand Mm -hmm. what is our responsibility and what simply isn't. Just because you get the information, this was my confusion Mm -hmm. for decades. Just because I get information doesn't mean I'm responsible. And because a sense of responsibility Mm -hmm. was there embedded from an inner child wounding, I got super meshed in wanting to save the world. (laughs) right so you have to understand that program and that takes time and right now a lot of the Mm -hmm. things that we get pushed in is quick we have 30 second 90 second reels you know and then we already need a new entertainment (laughs) you know but this this work growth is slow and it takes time and it takes integration Mm -hmm. and integration is becoming multiple parts becoming one where it becomes a way of who you are. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I feel that in the West and like such a big part of the world, we have such a, Mm. we're so spiritually hungry and we don't have that relationship to spirit like maybe that exists in, especially in like in ancient China, in India, in a lot of these cultures where there's like rich teachings and developments around the spirit and spirituality. And so I think that so many of us are like, we want this quick fix. We're so used to having the pharmaceutical, the medicine, the drug, the even reaching for psychedelics sometimes. So it's so profound and it's just the beginning and like this catalyzing experience. But I really feel that what we need is like longer term, slow growth and guides like you and like rich spiritual experiences, meditation, like the practices, the daily practices that will bring us into that because we need reminders. We need we need so many reminders. Absolutely. Something that I read, I think it was from you, but just about this journey of alchemy and the way that we like you know i think as you were as you were telling me 
telling us about your friend who was smelling and could smell those like changes, I thought about alchemy mm. and this process of transformation and what we know it to be as this, you know, transmutation of base and base metals into gold, but really that it's it's a journey of transformation in in the physical body and spirit. Absolutely. It's very beautiful to understand not about discarding the pain, not the, not about discarding for some people might be shadow aspects, for some people might be more of the word wounding or you know or trauma. It's not about that, especially not our emotions. You know, our human emotions are there for a reason and that embrace. However, when we look at something through a framework for example, alchemy, right? There is a journey of to completion with it. There is an initiation. And one of the things that I think what you shared about also about the lack of spirituality and that connection, I think I personally truly believe that our mental health crisis is a spiritual crisis because of there is a lack of meaning and purpose. There is no initiation except maybe your birth, your death, your graduation, maybe for men only military. You know, there isn't much. There isn't a form of a vision quest. There isn't a female bodies have the, the moon cycle. And that we are just poorly executed and informed as, you know, like poorly. Yes. Luckily, my mother was extremely open. My Dutch mother was extremely open about it. But my Portuguese grandmother was so much taboo. Don't speak about it. Don't let men ever know wow. that you have your moon cycle. I don't say yeah. menstruation anymore because of the word men in it. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm a moon cycle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's like, why does that work? Because words, words wow. are, it's witchcraft, you know, like in a better way. Words mean yeah. something. It's yeah. spells. That's the spells. word that I wanted to. Um, but it's indeed spells, yeah. you know. So, so I, every way we speak, that's what we're calling in. But I'm, I'm going a bit off topic mm -hmm. now, but it's the way of, so alchemy so if we look at like our menstrual cycle, if we look at our moon cycle, you know, like if we look at all these cycles, you know, and the initiation cycle, uh, the hero's journey, which is something that is so fascinating that the U.S. have adapted in the film industry and entertainment industry, the hero's journey where we are addicted to. I believe the movies mm -hmm. that we are addicted to in that way, which I also love seeing, absolutely, is because there is a lack of that kind of process in our own society and in our own life. So alchemy is a format that we could look at of seeing that for a metaphor, a lotus, the representation of the lotus, is one of the most beautiful plants, I believe, in nature that really says, I can only grow out of mud and I will go through the depths mm -hmm. of the waters of the womb of this earth to reach the light. That's an alchemical process. So if you look at your own mm -hmm. life and the challenges and the nitty, the gritty, the wounded places, and there are gifts that you've learned. There are skill sets that you've learned. From the deepest wounded place of the deepest trauma, I've learned 
an amazing skill set, which is I understand the underdog. I understand what it is to be in absolute fear. I understand what it is to keep people safe. Those skill sets are now my major skill set that became my five pillars in the retreats that I provide. And they became the trauma-informed work, which is safety, trustworthiness, collaboration, empowerment. So these are the things that have ended up being pillars in the type of space holding and container that I now provide for other people. So, and and it's not about doing yeah. this quick fix, positive psychology and gratitude practice and forgive the person that abused you. Absolutely not. You know, that's not it. Mm -hmm. But in the end of the day, those experiences have created, you have created a positive skill set out of it. And it's just a matter of time that yeah. you... You're the lotus inside of you comes to the surface and reaches the light and understands that. That's the alchemical process. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. And that could be emotional, mm. that could be spiritual, that could be physical, that could be mental. From all those parts, we have these cycles that we go through. We just lack mm. guidance and elders that can tell us, listen, you're a baby yeah. still in this cycle. You have to learn maybe to be a bit more patient mm -hmm. and then we'll teach you a bit more, <laughs> you know, we just lack a little bit of that guidance mm -hmm. in our society. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was such a beautiful interpretation and description and story around alchemy and the journey and process. And I think, that, you know, what you just mentioned about the elders, I feel that teachers having a guide in this process is so, so essential. Have you had teachers on your path? I imagine many. Yes. So the teachers that I named that I want, you know, were the two friends that I see that really also as teachers, right? I also see my father and my mother um, through all the wounding and the things that I really do not appreciate about me growing up also as very deep teachings. Those are teachers. So there are so many forms of teachers out there. And then, of course, you also have the teachers that you, once you're ready, they will show up, the elders. Sometimes you walk a path for a short amount of time, and sometimes it's a multiple year. One example is from the Hopi tradition, the Native American Hopi tradition, a multiple year. I've had two teachers in that tradition for many years. And then there was a form of interesting completion where it just, it wasn't there anymore. I was ready for something else. And, and then I waited and I really wanted an mm -hmm. elder in my life. And I, it was really interesting because I waited for about three to four years. And I had this beautiful session with Grandmother Flor de Mayo and all these different teachers from Native traditions, like a one-on-one -on -one session. And I had a session with Meladoma Soma, uh, who died recently uh, this year, was an African elder. And I was just really doing these one-on-one -on -one sessions with all these elders going, you want to be my elder? You know, and I would say like, I want to connect to elders, you know, and then I would get the teaching of the trees are your elders, you know, and I would get a whole teaching on mm. that. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, that was where, and, and it was very <laughs> empowering too, but there is a time and a place for everything. And apparently, you know, I had to wait three yeah. years to discover that the teacher that I was looking for was already there next to me and I was already in communication with her. It was just not in the way that I thought at that moment mm -hmm. that it was taking place. And right now mm -hmm. we have gone into a very deep, mm -hmm. more apprenticeship relationship. So those come and go in many different shapes and forms. And we're always yeah. influenced. I'm very influenced by pagan tradition already from a very young age. Native American tradition and pagan tradition has been, I've always 
very, very curious to it. I remember at a very young age, I had this witch's book and I was making potions and so many things. And, you know, like, so yeah, the, and, and going with the cycles of the pagan cycles and explaining nature. And I always love the relational mm-hmm. space with nature. That's for me the way that cycle is for me, the cycle that is most natural and more, most instinctual to our systems. Adapting something that is very foreign for me would be great. It's great to learn their things. But I always think, stay close to where you are. What is the land that you're living on? You don't have to be born on that land, but where are you right now? What What is that land teaching you? Who are the guardians of that land? What is the history of that land? How can you be in right relationship with Mm -hmm. that land? How can you honor the people, the elders of that land before you? And be curious to learn. Be curious to learn about the vegetation and Mm -hmm. the plants that are there. Because those are medicines for what your system needs when you live in that land. So that could also be already a, a very deep teaching. If you're interested more in permaculture, then go in that realm. You don't have to go into spiritual realm. You know, there are so many different ways of exploring and meaning making and purpose. So I love everything that you have to say. I have there's like literally 20 directions I want to I want to take this in. I would love to chat with you a bit more, like I'd mentioned earlier, about finding one's spiritual calling and how you I think for me it's kind of in my 20s, as I kind of stepped into a spiritual path as well, I was really uncomfortable. And in this transition of careers and really like stepping into the unknown of something I knew I needed to do, but wasn't really sure what it would look like. And I was like very intentional about reading books about Dharma and about what I felt, how I wanted to approach life, and ultimately like finding a lot of meaning in what I what I wanted to do. It's a topic that I love to explore and books I love to read about. But will you tell us about your process in working with others and yourself, just about what that stepping into one's spiritual calling looks like? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> There's a big question because it's such a personal process. And first of all, stepping on consciously on that path, right? Because it's uh, that's the first step. It's a conscious path. And mm-hmm. then there is, of course, you have your own journey with that to explore what things mean to you. No one can tell you what something means. So it's really about unplugging in a way and uncovering your sovereignty in it. Because I believe that the the amazing thing that we are in the age that we are right now, which, you know, we also have the shadow aspect of everything, but the positive aspect is that you are your own guru. We, uh, the you know, you can even see in marketing, you know, I even do it in my own marketing, you know, I'm, I'm the product. <laughs> right? Like I'm, I'm my own product in that way. So, and that asks you to explore multiple things without appropriation of them, but you're invited to explore more things. Life invites you to go on a discovery. Life invites you to, yeah, what is there for you to uncover and for you to learn about yourself? So it's a very personal path. And I believe Giving your power away to someone else, it's something else than having an elder and a teacher that can that can be a guide. And a good elder, a good teacher will always say the word guide because the true teacher is yourself. The true teacher is nature. Our earth 
is our true teacher. Mm -hmm. So, and a good guide will reflect that wisdom to you. You giving your power away to access spirit or the divine through a third party, I would put a lot of question marks behind that. That's the age that we're actually leaving from. You know, when we're trying to find a way, okay, how then do we do that? I would always say one of the things that I see with a lot of the clients, so I, the work that I do, of course, is in facilitation in our retreat work, but then I work a lot with people in mentoring one-on-one over an extended amount of time. I don't do apprenticeships, so that's the difference. I mentor people on where they are. And in that mentoring, the people that come, there is coaches, healers, space holders, a lot of therapists. A lot of female therapists, from psychotherapists to counselors, uh, which is interesting and because there is a, okay, I've done this academic approach. I also have an intuitive part. Who, who am I in that part? Who am I in that, in that spiritual part? So when we go into a process, what I'm invited to do as a mentor and a guide for people is to really see where are you in your process? What is already natural for you? And just help the individual create that muscle even more and more and more and trust that inner muscle. I believe that's the way forward. So even with the spirituality, I believe the practices that you can do, there is a difference between you being in your mundane and brushing your teeth and creating a sacred space. So if you are curious, what does sacred space mean? What would that mean to you, to the listener? You know, what is a sacred space? What does that look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What kind of environment are you in? So that would be always my invitation. What kind of environment do, can you create that steps you out? Uh, for example, an altar is actually, the meaning of an altar is a high place, but it can also say a nature table, right? But it's the place where I say to spirit or the divine, here I do my work. Here I understand the power, the dedication, the determined that I'm walking this path. The, that's why the altar is there. And it's not about giving your power away to a picture of something that is outside of yourself. The tools that you put on your altar is for you to have a materialized significance of the work that you're doing. There is a difference between creating a, an altar of an intention for a whole group and an altar where I place, where I do a ritual, where I perform healing. There is a difference in that, right? So your your spiritual path, but some mm -hmm. might be very, you know, more with music. Want to play an instrument and just light a candle and play an instrument and tone. And that is your spiritual practice, right? That's the way you connect to something that is beyond your egoic structure. That's why you want to step. That's a way to being out of your egoic self, your I am, right? And into more of what else is there? Who are we uh, in that together? Mm -hmm. So, and of course, meditation in any shape or form, of course, is a, is a very strong aspect of that. And then s some of us are more open to more visual types of journeys. Some are more going into this more from a biohacking perspective because neurologically you've read, you know, the scientific benefit because it makes creates focus. Why not? Is that less spiritual? I mean, I cannot say that, you know, I can't, I think that's, you know, again, yeah. what I yeah. always try to stay away from is my religion isn't better than yours and my science is better than your science. It's again, the polarity. We mm -hmm. have so much polarity. How mm -hmm. about we look at 
ourselves and say, okay, how can I create a bridge? How can I be create a place where I'm non-judgmental? How can I create a place where everybody feels safe and seen and heard and loved? Right. And maybe this is very kumbaya yeah. <laughs> for some, you know, one world view. I believe if you going through our shared humanity, that's for me more spiritual than any practice there is. Because I believe to my core <laughs> that our physical bodies and our humanity is the expression of divinity, not a separation of. Mm-hmm. So if I want to connect to the divine, yeah. if I want to be spiritual, if I want to be connecting with spirit, is embracing my full humanity, is embracing the act of listening, embracing, creating moments mm-hmm. that transcend mundane, creating connection. And also, how can I contribute to a community, something that is beyond how can I contribute to something that is a legacy that is beyond my personal needs those qualities if you can connect to those I believe that's walking a virtuous life and spiritual life it's not separate Mm -hmm. from a human life yeah not for me at least (laughs) totally I love that so much and I've been um kind of like thinking about that a lot lately which is just that it's so refreshing like spirituality can look it's not meant to be dogmatic, right? Like that's what we're trying to move away from and that it's so refreshing to see like everyone is spiritual and it's not this practice or that practice that I have to do that like I have to adhere to and it's strict. It's just a connection and no one can judge what that connection looks like for another human. And so there's realness. We're humans. We will make we make mistakes. We're still spiritual. It looks so many different ways and it's just that integration of polarities. I had this, like, I, I just came back from Burning Man a couple of days ago. I think I saw that on Instagram. I think I, yeah, I saw you on Instagram. I was like, oh, I'm having yeah. a conversation with you later. You're just back. <laughs> <laughs> so many beautiful, beautiful downloads. It's a really like potent and transformative experience. But one thing I wanted to chat with you about is ascension and what that is, because I've had so many really fascinating experiences where I've literally been like, what the fuck is happening? And so I started, you know, as I started to kind of like look into it and read more about it and understand it, I was like, oh, okay. But I would love, I would love to hear your take on it. Now, I'm also curious about your experiences, by the way. I'm like, oh, what type of experiences did you have? Something that I've, I've really been learning on my journey and like very much embodying is my personal boundaries and knowing that like I don't need a lot of any medicine to reach an altered state. And the most profound experiences, psychedelic experiences I've ever had have been through meditation and breath, truly, like mind-blowingly powerful and I'm very interested in exploring that further and spreading that message because we can do that naturally through a lot of these practices but specifically what happened a little while ago and it's it's a, a more frequent experience now but in this one experience there was like it was like information flooding into my crown chakra at the speed of light where I was in front of somebody but I you know, they were speaking to me, but I just couldn't. There was so much information flowing to me. And there was this experience of like, I cannot hold all of this right now. I need to write something down. This is all coming to me way too fast. And I got this like splitting headache and just was like vomiting. (laughs) But also like immense downloads and the quality of information was like, wow. 
And so I kind of started to look a bit further into it. And I was like, okay, I think that this is maybe an ascension symptom or something of that sort. Amazing that you have those experiences, first and foremost, right? I hope you find a way to differentiate the space because it becomes so liminal, right, when you have those kind of experiences and we can get quite overwhelmed. So I I pray that you find rooting and that you can really clearly see what is yours and what isn't and what can you drop and what is information that is really truly coming from the source <laughs> right because we have so many so mm-hmm. many things are out there right where we can get information from so mm-hmm. that's first and then second when we speak about ascension symptoms and ascension there's so many different things online about this and i don't believe There is one ultimate truth about anything. So even what I say today, I wouldn't have said this probably three years ago. And maybe in a year time, if you ask me the same question, I might be not in agreement with my today self. Because I believe this is we give words to things that we sometimes don't have words for. I think our evolution is going in a pace that we are understanding the invisible. Mm-hmm. We are understanding the unseen space so much more, but our language is just not catched up yet. So I think some words we give yeah. to one thing that the same word to five other things. So true. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing. Also for people when, if maybe this is the first time you're hearing about that word and you go into this thing and you go like, oh, I have all these ascension symptoms. So I always say it's not something outside of yourself. Don't again give your power away to Google. (laughs) You are experiencing, Mm -hmm. you might be picking up on something that is an external trigger, but it's still something also inside of you. Right. So if we're going to in the invitation is stepping out of duality, stepping out of victim aggressive, stepping out of polarity, that's always the invitation. So if something is happening from outside, what does it say about me? What is it that is inside of me happening? Always do the inquiry back to yourself. So that is, you know, I want to always put that little disclaimer because. Yeah, it's that outside story is quite confusing for so many people Mm -hmm. who might also have certain mental health diagnoses who then read spirituality and it becomes a bypass. Not naming that a certain diagnosis can also be an opening for certain awarenesses. That's a whole different story that I don't know enough about, but... There are some quite interesting research about having psychosis and people being in a trance state that the same places of the brain light up and the same places we go to. There is this realm where there's still so much to be discovered. And if people with those abilities that might have been diagnosed grew up in a tribal sense, they might have been seen as a healer or a two-spirited individual. I also just want to say that I I so appreciate it. Like it's so nuanced, right? And so you the ability for you to like share that message and let people know that is so important. And I really appreciate that because it's so true. It's very nuanced and bypassing tends to happen in any shape or form. I've done it in all the shapes and forms too. I'm still doing it. Spiritual ego is part of your evolution too. 
I don't see it as something separate. I think everybody comes at some point, at some stage, at a spiritual awakening at, in a spiritual ego. I think it's just part of the process. But mm -hmm. that's a whole different topic. And I want to honor your question, you know, about ascension. So first of all, many different meanings, right? But what I would like to say is you have ascension, which there is a lot of information out there on the Earth's ascension, which... I don't know out of my own experience, but from those that I trust, for example, Hira, who I just spoken about, Inelia Benz is a great source to look into who speaks a lot about ascension that I personally resonate with. And it's about really the ascension of the earth that has already happened. It's already there. I don't believe the earth needs to be saved. I think she knows exactly what is going on. Again, I don't believe in victim, aggressor, savior, role, you know, polarity, you know, like anything that pulls me into that direction pulls me out of love state. So I'm always looking, is this mm -hmm. pulling me into separation, not diversity, separation is the word, or is this pulling me into love? Because if I look at the earth being already ascended and she knows what she's doing, I'm looking at it from an empowered place. Why? I'm not looking that she needs mm -hmm. to saving. doesn't mean I don't yeah. need to be conscious yeah. of our environment and how I use the earth. And respect the earth. It's not a freebie to not be conscious with our earth, right? In our planet. So that's speaking into ascension from an earth perspective. And what I'm most about is, for example, speaking into spiritual ascension. I believe it's part of a spiritual awakening. Ascension is part of an awakening process. It's an awakening where there is an old self and you're rebirthed into a new self. Spiritual ascension is also a way of being rebooted or upgraded. What we're definitely not is you're not a level higher than anybody else because that's the system we grow up in. We stand, still tend to look at things from a pyramid perspective. Mm -hmm. This is, is It's like being elevated vibrationally and f your frequency is different. So that means when that happened, that tra transition space, and for me, I have the similar thing what you shared about you, for me, those frequency changes or vibrational changes didn't happen with plant medicine or psychedelics or an entheogenic process. Those happened with deep work on trauma, deep work on transcendent states, meditation, even exploring the state of our sensual energy or sexual energy inside of us. Those change, the frequency changes. And when that happens, it's very interesting because certain things start to change in the outer environment. Like one of the first things I remember observing when my own ascension process, my own vibrational frequency change happened is that certain people don't see you anymore on the street or in a supermarket, you're in a queue and they just don't see you. And I was like, what's happening here? Mm. Like, oh, it's my turn. And I would go like, oh. <laughs> but then I started speaking and this was actually a quality of a shift of change, right? A shift of vibrational change that is happening in the field. So it's like these kind of little little things that I started observing as patterns happening in the field, right? Spiritual ascension is definitely not about unicorns and angels and I, I don't know what, <laughs> you know, it's actually... For a lot of the times, it's also called the dark night of the soul, right? You go through an excruciating mm -hmm. shift 
of discomfort and pain. It's almost like an initiation. You know, it's an alchemical process. It's what we just spoke about. And it comes and goes in many different stages. So you have a mental awakening. You have, of course, of course, a personality awakening. You have a, a spiritual energy process. You have an awakening of the soul. So you have these different aspects that can come up. And for example, a spiritual energy awakening would be a kundalini awakening. A new personality would be where there is a process of self-acceptance and empowerment of sovereignty, where you're very pulled to work on these aspects of yourself. They don't come all at the same time simultaneously. There's different stages for, I believe, in my perspective. Again, this is my truth, my way, how I've experienced it today. This might be a whole different protocol (laughs) or for someone else, but it's a frequency change. And there is also when there is a mind, I remember this being 10 years ago, there was this influx of synchronicity. Synchronicity is a mental awakening. Suddenly, now synchronicity is just mm-hmm. for me a way of living. I don't even need to name it. My friend and I were, were having yeah. a, a friend date. We had a whole day together and we just started cracking up on how we would get off 15 years ago about synchronicity. And every time it happened, we would text each other. And now it's just... <laughs> It's there. Life unfolds for me that way. Like I'm living that way. Mm -hmm. There is just no other way. The amount of information I dream or I get, or I know exactly the right moment to reach out to a client that I've worked with six years ago. And I go like, I need to reach out to her right now. And I said like, hey, because I'm a carrier Mm -hmm. of a medicine, I have a responsibility over that medicine. I don't have responsibility over the individual, but I have a responsibility over the gifts of that medicine. So the people that I'm connected with and that the seeds are blown into their hearts that I bring in and the downloads that I support Mm -hmm. with the medicine, there is a responsibility. So I'm connected to all my clients. And I always say spirit is my marketing manager and spirit is also the one that tells me when to connect (laughs) to whom. So I don't have to be busy all day lighting candles for Mm -hmm. all my thousands of clients that I've worked with, you know, (laughs) but I know that when I have the name or the person come in, that's the moment, that's cue. And I will tell you mm-hmm. every single time I'm spot on. And that's not because I'm blowing my own horn. Mm-hmm. No, that's because of the years of the work that I've been doing. I've built so much trust in this muscle that I know it's like an instant thing. You know, it's like yeah. a, an instant thing. So, and I don't know why I'm reaching out. It's not that I know that story. And I'm so happy I don't. Right. Because that would be way too much information called in a day. You know, like... <laughs> God, this person is not there. You'd be overwhelmed. No, that's not necessary. Yeah. You know, what I was thinking about as you were just sharing all that and in the expression of who you are is that your words are such medicine and Mm, truly, and, and you are that. And, you know, I think one thing that I think a lot of people, and, you know, I'll refer to myself, is that there is this desire to help and what you are mentioning about knowing what is yours and what is not yours is such a big and deep lesson for those of us who want to help and you know feel like we can help the world and help people and help humanity it's also just it's it's been such a good reminder for me that sometimes just one's presence is all it takes right it like really just is. hearing your words and and your presence is uh 
sometimes those shifts can just be energetic. It can just be standing next to somebody or hearing their words and that there is like an innate medicine in just existing and knowing one's own truth and letting that be a reflection to others. Yeah, it truly is. It, it really, really, that's the way, you know, the anecdote, and you've probably heard this, I think it's from Buddhism. I don't know, probably that, you know, you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> That's how you can always measure oh, how yeah. your inner work is going. Mm -hmm. Like, and how are you in your boundaries? How can you be in kind awareness? How can you separate yourself? How can you, like, that's always a good measurement, you know, where are so you true. in that? So I always say, yeah, I mean, in my retreats, people love me. That's great. But I tell you, the real truth is my partner in my everyday who calls me out on my bullshit, <laughs> you know, who says, like, I'm not impressed with you. Great that you do all the things you do. But right now, you're not being really considerate with me, what I need. I was like, oh, oops, sorry. You know, <laughs> that's the truth, you know, yeah. and, I, and that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, we have these different parts. And I, be I truly believe that showing up in that way and greeting someone the cashier in your supermarket and just smiling with mm -hmm. your eyes mm -hmm. saying good afternoon holding a door open you know i remember like i've done so many practices on being in the street and tr and practicing this type of awareness with everybody i would see everybody that i would see what is the first thought that comes in and sometimes it would be really judgmental about there's someone's shoes or something stupid like that. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I would ask and I would tell myself this little thing, which everybody can use. It's very simple. Interesting point of view, Natasha. I would speak to myself. Interesting point of view, Natasha. So what does this say about you? What does this remind you of? Those shoes from that lady that I have a judgment about. And then the first thing that popped into my mind was like, oh my God, I was when I grew up in, when I came from Portugal and, and Spain, uh, my parents were divorced. My mom and I were, did not have enough money. I could not wear the shoes and the clothes that all the kids were wearing that were more, most trendy. So I was always bullied by the way that I looked. So I was like, oh my God, I'm just having a judgment on this lady's beautiful tennis shoes that she's running on because actually I'm, I'm judging from a wounded place. I was like, oh, poor you, <laughs> you know, you want, that's why you have 80 <laughs> pairs of shoes right now, <laughs> you know, like I, they're almost all, not anymore, but for a very long time, I had a shoe fetish. Yeah. So I go like, wow, that's a big teaching. That's my teacher. That judgment just became my teaching. Mm -hmm. So if I can mm -hmm. be that. Don't have to be a therapist, a space holder, a shaman to be able to change the world. If you can become aware of those processes inside of yourself and you can then show up to the world in that way without that judgment, you're healing. You're healing the world that way. Mm -hmm. The deepest gift you can give to anybody that you're not judging them, mm -hmm. that you're embracing them for all their humanity and aspects because you understand yours. And then you'll show yeah. up differently and people will come to you and say like, hey, there is something about you. What is that? What is that about you? Mm -hmm. that you and then you mm -hmm. go like, well, actually, if you're interested, I do this and this and this. I can help with mm -hmm. this or I can support with that. And then it becomes synchronicity, living out of synchronicity. <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, I love these deep teachings. Thank you. I'm honored to be chatting with you and so grateful to share this message and these teachings with our audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I honestly, I feel like we could keep chatting <laughs> and I have, I would love to have you on again in the sure. future. Thank you. So much gratitude for you. Thank you. With deep gratitude, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a review. That is always very appreciated. Mushrooms transformed my mind and body. And if you're interested in bringing medicinal mushrooms into your life and health journey, check out rainbow.com for our meticulously sourced Canadian fruiting body mushroom tinctures. Until next time, peace in and peace out, friends.